You're listening to Post Perspectives Meet the Artist podcast, sponsored by Puget Systems. Hi, I'm Randy Altman with Post Perspective, and welcome to this edition of Meet the Artist. This week, we're talking to the audio post team behind Showtime's Your Honor. Please welcome John Griesley and Dan Gamash from King Soundworks. Okay, so why don't we start with you guys telling me um, what your titles are? Uh, so I'm uh, the Dialogue and Music Re-Recording Mixer. So uh, my side of the console has all the dialogue tracks, all the ADR, all the loop group, and then all the music. And then Dan? Uh, I'm the Supervising Sound Effects Editor and the Re-Recording Mixer for the sound effects, um, which includes all the, all the sound effects, sound design, backgrounds, and Foley. Gotcha. Okay. So, so let's start with the most obvious question, which is you guys were not involved in season one. You came on for season two. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, was it a challenge? Was it actually fun for you? Did the sound, the, the, the showrunners, did they want to um, replicate what the soundscape of the first season or did they say, show us what you could do? I think the, the fun thing was us being like, okay, let's watch season one. Um, and really enjoying it and actually genuinely being fans of the show. Um, it, uh, so that was kind of a good thing, you know, to, to then be excited about where you could possibly take it, maybe watch the first season, see some things that you felt like were maybe a missed opportunity and see like, what, what could you do to kind of heighten and add to the experience? Um, that was definitely my take. And then I don't really feel like they gave us an edict, particularly, you know, when we just did the first spotting session, we suggested some stuff and they were just kind of like, yeah, that sounds interesting. And so we just kind of threw what we had at it. And, uh, you know, I mean, you can speak to what, what we did a little differently. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were, we watched the season one and felt, you know, like we became fans of the show really quickly and just wanted to do it, do the writing of the show justice. Um, and then, I don't know, just whenever there was an opportunity, we just took a swing and they, they've they liked a lot of what we've done. So we kind of went for this this richness and this fullness and this level of detail. Um, just, this is to say, we didn't think season one sounded bad by any stretch. We just thought that it could maybe be richer and fuller and, and more detailed. And so that's kind of what we did. And and we were met with uh, Joey and Liz, the showrunners, were just kind of like, yeah, great. It sounds great. Like, mm-hmm. do more. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's always fun to work on a show that's, in such an interesting environment in New Orleans. So there's when we're outside, there's lots of opportunities to play with different insects and make that sound really rich and full. And then when we're in the French Quarter, lots of people and have it sound busy and full. Um, so really, that's just that's just a dream come true. Well, I bet. And, and season two is there's a lot of stuff that's the same, but there's also stuff that's different. It's almost like a, a, a different show in some respects. Mm-hmm. And um, and like you, you mentioned being in the French Quarter, and I sort of noticed, and it could be completely imagining it, but sort of the heightened sound, like the footsteps. Um, you know, when 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 Michael's character is walking alone, or you can tell he's freaking out inside. It, it does seem that there's heightened uh, sounds coming from around him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. The what's interesting about that is that we like to play with um, the dynamic of it, like you know there are times when we do that and then times where you don't do that. And so obviously it, it creates a more of a juxtaposition between the two different states. And like you said, it will be times when he's alone or times where he's more in his head. And the show is 
a lot about what he's going through. But as you said, in season two, it's got this different thing where it's almost less about Michael now. And there's all the other ancillary characters who don't even really necessarily meet that much, if at all, on the show. Um, and so, yeah, creating that juxtaposition between different states of mind and different levels of detail and different states of isolation and different states of being surrounded by hustle and bustle. That's definitely something that we're trying to highlight. Good one. Now, so let's take a step back. Why don't you guys talk about your workflow, how you begin and sort of just walk us through that. Sure. Um, just watching the episode first and seeing, you know, understanding the story arc um, and where, where things needs to, where things need to go. Um, I work with another sound effects editor, Hector. Um, so sort of, I pass along any notes that maybe come from the spotting session or any notes that I have. Um, and he does the same thing. He watches the show and then he, he always has a few ideas uh, that he says, well, it'd be interesting if we tried this. So it's just great to have another, another set of eyes on it. Um, we, we edit the show. We put all the sounds together. Um, Joel, our dialogue supervisor, does the same thing with the dialogue and ADR and loop group. Um, then we put it all together on the stage and John and I spend, you know, a few days mixing it. And apart from the first couple episodes, which I saw ahead of time, I generally don't see it until the mix starts because I'm not actually editing on, on this show. I do edit um, on some shows, but just not this one. Um, so yeah, like to the first couple, I, you know, went to the spotting session and kind of listened out for, for what they were going for. And then when it became apparent that we were just kind of going to be given not carte blanche, but basically they just wanted to hear what we would suggest. And it was just like, okay, cool. I'll just sit down in front of the board, take it as it comes and just kind of like lay things in. And I think it's interesting to have like Dan's intensely familiar with the episode and the details of it. And then for me to sit next to him and just take it as it comes scene by scene. And then we have two slightly different views. Like I'll react to things in perhaps a slightly different way to the way he is because he's been living with it. Um, and then obviously once we get to the end, we go back through the show again together and, you know, maybe that wasn't the best idea. Maybe this could be more, maybe this could be less, maybe this should be more about this. Um, uh, yeah. And then just a second pass is kind of where, where the real finesse comes in. What about working with the production sound mixer? Did you guys have any sort of communication ahead of time? Is there any any communication after? Do you know what, like where the placement of mics are? Any any of that kind of thing? Uh, Joel, who Dan mentioned, uh, Joel Schrack, he's a dialogue audio supervisor. He has spoken with him, and he acts funny. The um, the guy that does the production sound uh, did another show that we did in the past, and so Joel had already talked to him because they had already worked together. And I can't remember what show that was. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so they have, you know, a rapport, they, you know, communicate based on thoughts of, of how things are going and everything. But I, I think he's doing a really good job. It's not an enviable position, because there is so much location sound. And in a city like New Orleans, you know, that's not a quiet city. And they don't always get the, you know, necessarily the right permits for the shooting on the streets. And so there's just a lot of noise. And what I think he's doing a great job at capturing is even though it's noisy, when you peel the noise back, Joel does some of that and Skylar, our other dialogue editor, they do some noise reduction in the editorial process, but then they leave some of it in so that I can see, do we need to do more or is this enough? You know, when it sits in the backgrounds that Dan and Hector have created. Um, and every time you peel all that noise back, the voices sound really good in there. Like they're very rich, full recordings. 
um, you know, a lot of people on the show have really great voices. It's nice to hear people project, which I feel like you don't hear that often these days. Uh, you know, there's a lot of that like tough guy low talking going on in uh, TV and films these days. And I feel like on this show, most of the characters really do project their performances. Um, so you're able to get these really great, rich tones out of everybody. And I mean, you know, Brian Cranston, he's got one of the richest voices on TV. So it's nice to be able to get that that fullness out. Um, but again, where appropriate. So there may be times where, you know, if a character's maybe being a little bit downtrodden in the story, maybe I don't add as much low end into the voice. And then if somebody's, you know, really kind of like coming out strong in a particular story point, then I'll boost certain things and just kind of try to shape um, the tones of people's voices around also what's appropriate for the story too. And the, the production recordings are, are really allowing me to be able to do that as opposed to just be in like triage mode where you're pulling back noise and being like, oh, we just need to be able to understand what people are saying. You know? And the other Absolutely. thing that production recordist is doing so well is that there are so many scenes in the show without dialogue or with sparse dialogue that he almost becomes a sound effect recordist for us right. uh, in, you know, recording the props that the actors are interacting with or their footsteps or whatever that may be. Uh, and that's, that's so useful to help make things feel natural mm -hmm. uh, when we're watching it so that it's not just backgrounds and Foley, but there is production sound there and it's all usable. And I've totally forgotten the guy's name. So I apologize. <laughs> you're on a production mixer. You're doing a great job and I can't remember your name. <laughs> I, I will add it to the story, to the, yeah. to the actual text. You get that. Um, so talking about uh, ADR and Foley, how much, how much is there of that? Well, Foley, it's, it's, yeah yeah pop to pop it's it's um it's a it's fully filled for the for the, for the domestic mix yeah mm -hmm. some people i think think of foley as being only for the m e which is a thing that i've heard mixers say before like you don't really need it unless you're trying to help out an adr line or or you know maybe not even use it very much until you get to the m e stage but i think dan and myself both feel that foley can add again richness and detail like it's, it doesn't, even if you're playing the production footsteps, maybe you layer them together with the Foley footsteps and get something a little bit more interesting sounding and all the kind of like hand pats and cloth movements and stuff, you can really accentuate what the actors are doing on screen with every little piece of that. So we we don't subscribe to the Foley Sis for the m &E thing at all. We, we play it definitely. And then in terms of ADR, um, some locations we don't have a ton of it generally speaking like there'll be the odd thing here and there i feel like the writing on the show is so strong that there's not a lot of this like corrective clarification exposition type stuff that a lot of um tv shows can sometimes have where they're like oh wait we don't understand what's happening so let's put a line in on like the back of that person's head there's not that much of that on this show uh, there was a little bit but um the biggest problem will be on some of the outdoor location shoots in new orleans where there was an episode where they were in a park and somebody forgot to tell the whoever it is that makes this decision that a band should probably not be playing live jazz music at the bandstand. And so there's just constant music over all the takes. And obviously when you cut the performances together, it's not like the music cuts together seamlessly. It's like mm -hmm. key changes and pitch changes and horns here and then like drums here. And so we ended up trying to salvage it not being able to and just saying we're going to loop this whole entire like whatever it was like a four six minute scene mm -hmm. 
Um, a couple of other little things like that where it would be let's loop the whole scene just because it's you know an intimate scene and you can hear like construction <laughs> or something it's not really adding to the to the vibe um so yeah so it'll be there have been a couple of episodes where we've had zero loops and a couple of episodes where we've we recorded a whole entire scenes right and i was thinking of um so like the rodeo scene in in, in the first episode i thought that was pretty interesting because you had the animal sounds and stuff like that can you just talk a little bit about that um, yeah, it was just, it was really just about changing perspective, um, with what character we're with, whether we're with the bull, whether we're with, um, Michael, uh, whether we're with the, the fans in the, in the stands at the rodeo, um, and just, just keeping that changing with the story. Um, and the people weren't really there. That was a mostly VFX crowd. Mm -hmm. There were some people that were there. Um, so there was a lot of work that went into, supporting the number of people that we were eventually going to have in the, in the stands a lot of that was sound effects crowds we did record a lot of loop group for that the loop group on the show is also really good um i feel like if you're blessed with a really talented realistic sounding loop group that's a really great asset to have to really be able to feature so um the crowd beds were like i said more beds more filling out the size of the thing and then the specifics you can poke through with the loop group and we had the guy the on-camera guy doing the announcing um for the rodeo he came in shot some adr so we could have him just kind of going off camera and put him up in the speaker up high kind of a thing um so that was yeah tons of layers mm -hmm. in there it um and we didn't get the vfx until pretty late in the process too so we had to do a lot of guessing yep. and then we had to do like a last minute like oh god it this is <laughs> doing this anymore like you know and just kind of pivot uh on the i think it was the last day of the mix we had to yeah. do a lot of that yeah you're listening to post perspectives meet the artist podcast sponsored by puget systems the other scene i wanted to ask you about was and we have, we have to keep in mind what's um what has been broadcast before right yeah i think we're at, we're at episode four four have have been shown yeah, correct i think roughly halfway or maybe this weekend it'll be halfway yeah mm -hmm. okay and uh, so the other scene i was going to ask you about was the, the party at the baxter hotel because there was a, a ton of people in there and there was a lot going on and then things got quiet for that awkward little you know hello mayor you know so so can you just walk us through that a little bit i think those are always interesting because like, again, you have to support what you're seeing on screen, but then that's not necessarily the most important thing about the scene once you get to a certain point. And because this show is so much about individual confrontations between certain people, um, you it has to be this thing where you start big, you enter the room, you show all these people there's a live band, the music's booming and reverberating around the space. And, and then after a couple of minutes, it's really about these two people like, having a an intense confrontation and you have to get to a point where you don't notice all of that kind of going away and to me that's always the biggest trick is and you know you might get a note in the playbacks too that's like oh i feel like we need to be bigger at the start of the party and you're like okay well let me see if we can do that and then not have it be really obvious when you get to the you know the more personal parts of the scene um from my point of view that's always the trickiest thing with those scenes mm -hmm. and just you know, in the same way, just directing the audience of what's important here. And yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's the size of the party first and sort of the, the grandiose nature of the Baxters. Um, and, and then it is about the conversations and it is about, um, you know, 
Michael discovering the listening device and, and, and just different, different things like that. And even really, one of the things, Dan had a great suggestion. We were working on that scene where what we had was a stereo track of the band playing, but there are some close up establishing sorts of individual members playing their instruments. And what we would do if we had stems there would be to just fe you know, feature the horns on the close-up of the horn, feature the drums on the close-up of the drums. We didn't have that option, but Dan suggested we could use um, isotope music rebalance where you can actually isolate specific things and then you may basically make, it's not completely clean, but it's clean enough to where you can be like, okay, let's isolate the horns here and then boost it on top of the rest of the mix. Uh, so there are some little subtle moves like that where we're like pushing certain things and um, we wouldn't have been able to do that without the technology that we currently have and without his brilliant suggestion to try it. Well, I am going to ask you about what tools you use, but before we, we get there, I wanted to, are there any for each of you, are there any scenes that you're most proud of or were most challenging, or you tried something different that, that stood out as something kind of cool that you were able to accomplish? Hmm. I took a different approach to the dialogue as a whole on this um season on this show i had been doing a, a certain technique where you run all the dialogue through basically like a chain where everything goes through there's an eq on each channel but you kind of run everything through a bus that has multiple plugins on it and so then everything gets treated not the same way but it all it treats the sum of everything whereas on this show i decided to try a, putting everything on the individual channel so that you could really dial in each individual person's microphone each angle and and um do a, to try to get it as clean as possible like i was saying the richness uh of the performances and trying to get as much clarity and clean dialogue as i could get um and i stole a couple of those tricks from another mixer i worked with and so uh i owe him a little bit for that and then you know there was just some experimentation in there um and i was really happy with how it came out i think it's the best sounding dialogue i've mixed um again largely thanks to the production mixer and also our dialogue editing team. It's like, it takes a village. You can't do any of this on your own. Um, in terms of particular scenes, I mean, the rodeo scene was, was really cool just because of the amount of stuff that we had to navigate through there. There are the ADR scenes in particular that, um, you know, trying to sell the ADR as not being ADR, even though I'll, know that it's ADR every single time I hear it. So I actually wouldn't say that those are my favorite scenes because I'm always like, oh God, does it sound convincing? I don't really know if it does. Um, there's a scene coming up later in the show, which I can't talk about because it's not out yet, but um, Michael has a run in with a, a policeman who may or may not be corrupt. And there's like an isolated scene where they go off to a specific location. And that's a, that's a really cool scene all around, I think. So I guess look out for that one. Mm -hmm. And we're making in Dolby Atmos. Um, right. So that's just, that's just something that from the start is different, is different from season one um, beyond everything else. But we just really wanted to utilize that um, mm -hmm. as much as possible. So, um, you know, using the full range speakers that we have, uh, using the overheads and objects and everything else yeah and you never want that to be distracting right so i feel a lot of times when you talk to somebody about like oh, we're mixing the show in atmos and people will say like well this isn't an atmos show and i'm like well every show is an atmos show if you do it right you know and i really do like that format a lot 
um so yeah there are like little subtle things that will be like oh this would be really cool if like the thunder came from the ceiling speakers or or the announcer at the rodeo like his voice when you're not on the count on him his voice is up high coming from the top and so if you have the opportunity to watch it in that immersive format there's some there's some cool stuff in there that really adds to it okay so uh let's talk about some of the tools and software behind you what do you guys use um well so it's all pro tools which you know it's pretty ubiquitous at this point uh this is the avid s6 um so it's dual operator um 24 faders per side and we're running three pro tools rigs one for dialogue music one for effects and then one for the picture and the recorder and then there's also the dolby rmu over on the screen in the back which is for the dolby recording and rendering um i've got you can't really see them, but a lot of my plugins that I use are up here. Um, FabFilter Pro Q3, which is like the plugin, the EQ that everybody seems to be using these days, but it does some really neat stuff. Um, we just started using Cinematic Rooms Reverb on the show, which is also really great for the immersive stuff. Um, I also am a big fan of the McDSP plugins, so I use their Channel G Dynamics and their NR800 and the SA2 Dialog Processor. Those are all in my dialog chain. I'm a big fan of not relying on any one tool to do all of the lifting. I like to have a little bit from here and a little bit from there. Like I also like I have two different types of noise reduction in my chain. So I'll have a little bit of the RX noise reduction and then maybe a bit more of the DSP noise reduction and then some dynamics on the compressor, but some dynamic bands on the EQ and then you know the the DSP SA2 is on the whole thing just kind of as a general shaper. So everything's doing a little bit and i feel like it's a lot more transparent if you do it that way um and i'm using mcdsp channel g um fab filter pro q3 uh cinematic rooms uh stratus is another reverb on oh, altiverb we both altiverb Alt yep. uh cargo colts slapper right. um, yep. and also their spanner plugin um yeah the cargo cult stuff mm -hmm. is great too yeah um yeah all right. Well, before I let you guys go, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you think is important? Anything you want to share about the show and your work on it? I really think this show is a great example of the collaborative nature of everybody on it doing just a really great job. Like, like I said, Joey Hartstone, who's the, the main showrunner and, and then his partner Liz and, and Joey's one of the, the main writers too. Like they're doing just, it's great writing and so you know it's like that if it starts off with something really solid and then everybody dialed down the line you know the production people are doing a great job the production sound is great and then our editing team is doing a great job so by the time it gets to us being basically the last thing in the process other than you know color um it would we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing with it if all of that stuff wasn't as good as it is and so that's a fantastic situation to be in um it's also testament to again they they wanted to try a different crew for season two we had a relationship with one of the producers Devin rich and he was like oh i know these guys and they're great and you'll love them and the way that they just basically trusted us to present something uh, i i always feel like it's really great to if you just hire people and then let them do their thing and there are some people out there that micromanage and for some people that works really, really well. And you wouldn't have some of the great films that are out there without completely insane directors who micromanage, but this isn't one of those shows. And um, so I think it is more than the sum of its parts because it's 
where everyone's allowed to just bring their A game. And I think that's great. John, Dan, thank you so much for, for joining us. Well, thank you, Randy, for having us. Yeah, thank really you. appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Post Perspectives Meet the Artist podcast. And thank you to our sponsors, Puget Systems. For more information, visit www.pugetsystems.com.